The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny. Only NFL podcast. One of the hosts thinks stick nod means go fetch. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. We made it. Does Lenny actually fetch? No, Lenny goes and chases the uh, stick and then walks away with the stick. He doesn't even run away with the yeah. stick. <laughs> the concept to fetch is not really. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lenny only knows go routes. Dominique, we made it. We're here. We did. Don't think there'll be a lot of go routes in the Super Bowl. Uh, doesn't look like it. This is, we, we are here. It is Super Bowl week. We have narrowed it down to two teams. Today, you're going to help me actually preview the game. For the first time, we're going to talk about the Chiefs offense versus the Niners defense. Then later in today's show, my friend Alex Sherman is going to join me to talk about the other side of the football. And then later in the week, we have our live show in Las Vegas uh, with friends Bill Bardwell and Kevin Clark. We're going to talk about the game, then the NFL season, a bunch of things. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I think there are still tickets available if you're in Vegas and you want to go. Go to bit.ly slash Fox. Otherwise, that show podcast will be in your feeds on Friday morning. So a little bit later than usual. Um, but I'm really excited for it. I'm excited to get to Vegas. We're both going tomorrow. Yeah. The live show should be cool. I'm excited. I mean, Vegas. Yeah. I, I had a good time at the draft of Vegas. I feel like Super Bowl in Vegas is going to be <laughs> definitely less fun. It's going to be too many people. Like, uh, it's, but it'll be fun. I got a positive attitude. I love it. Vegas is going to be great. Yeah. Notorious. Ooh, live show is going to be full of like uh, sports media people too. Like I feel like like six or seven people have asked me uh, in whatever way, could they get some free tickets? I said pay for them yourself. Well, tickets anyway. come with food and limited edition merch. So you need extra incentive to go. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited about this game. Work. I worked on sort of the matchups over the weekend for the first time. And the more I worked on it, the more excited I got for this game because I genuinely think it's a very close game. Uh, so as I said, we're going to start with the Chiefs offense versus the Niners defense. Um, they're both, the, I, I feel like in the divisional round and the championships, I would kind of preface games being like, one side of the ball is more interesting. This is the strength on strength. I actually think both sides of the ball are pretty, match up pretty well because both of these defenses are quite good. Um, the Chiefs offense obviously went through the doldrums of the season. They were awful, but they've been much better in the playoffs. Um, a lot of the metrics uh, of their performance over the last three games, if you applied it to the regular season, would make them a top 10 offense. So they seem to have figured things out. Marcos Valdez-Scantling has started to catch the football. Patrick Mahomes, unlike the other quarterbacks in the playoffs, has not come close to turning the ball over. But I don't want to talk about Mahomes, which is kind of crazy to start with, at least at the beginning. I, I'm going to ask you a very, I think, I guess, simple question. Do you think that the Kansas City Chiefs can emulate what other teams have done on the ground to the San Francisco defense in the playoff? Because the run defense has been horrible. Yeah, it's interesting. So the Chiefs had a... Pretty good rushing attack, a gr really great rushing attack, frankly, uh, in certain games. But their interior run team 
which does not really bode well with the weakness of the 49ers rush defense is like they're kind of weaker on the edges doesn't mean that you can't run on the inside against them but that combined with the injury to Tooney who I don't think is going to play but even if he does play isn't going to be like a tip-top version of himself with a possibly torn pectoral muscle which is hard to come back from and probably really hard to grab and move uh chris jones if that is the problem so i'm not sure that they're going to be able to rely on the running tech as much Mm -hmm. as the stats would suggest i know it's a bit of a surprise because uh, like if you look at the stats from uh, i would say a bird's eye view but that's probably too high but a slightly higher level you're like hey the 49ers are bad at run defense but the places where they are bad Mm -hmm. is really not where the where the um where the Chiefs like to attack, and the Chiefs' tackles are not bad, but they're the weakest point on their offensive line. What's lower than a bird, but higher than being on the ground? <laughs> a drone? A drone's eye? Well, drones are yeah. higher than birds, yes, actually. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. So I agree with you. I think it's really interesting because both the Packers and the Lions run games, it was such an obvious matchup advantage which is oh of course they're going to hit them on the perimeter like after we saw the the Packers have so much success with that pin pull crack toss action it was obvious that the Lions would do the same thing and build their passing game off of that but to your point the Chiefs run game is a little bit different um and I think there's some interesting questions that you have to ask which is do you do you try to approximate some of what you saw these other teams have success with against the San Francisco 49ers. Another one, uh, Dominique, that I think is interesting is the uh, Chiefs offense in the playoffs has been leaning very heavily on heavy personnel groupings. They love putting two and three tight ends on the field. The problem is the Niners are actually better at defending runs out of base than when you can spread them out. When uh, they're facing teams in 11 personnel, meaning three wide receivers on the field, they're very bad. They they're, they're, they usually counter that at nickel, and they're at the bottom of the NFL, 26th in success rate, 25th in EPA per play versus about average versus the heavy stuff. So if I'm Kansas City, do I think, hey, maybe maybe actually we spread things out a little bit to run the ball? I suspect also, because of the specific weakness of the Niners, we might see the Chiefs do more horizontal stuff, jet suites, right. end arounds, just trying to attack those edges. Why are you laughing? <sighs> because, I mean, uh, I love when this happens, when we don't do any preparation <laughs> other than let's talk O&D, and then you say the things that perfectly tee up the things that I was watching. So I think you're right. And the 49ers defense, the reason why they struggle against those kind of spread rushing formations is they don't have – the like gap discipline is I guess what we yeah. called it to uh, to consistently find themselves in the right gaps and responding to motions and shifts, something that the chiefs do a lot, your gaps can change. And many times it's less of a problem when you deal with a narrow formation or you deal with a tighter formation because sometimes the gaps get crushed into each other. So yeah, you don't have to be incredibly responsible with your gap. If you get out of your gap, it's fine. If you, Swish down the holes, but you see this happening a lot. And I think it's also a result of, it's like a, uh, a second order impact of the fact that they have not been great on defense. So because they have been great in their traditional yeah. way of playing defense, they've done some more complicated and sophisticated things, which they are not accustomed to doing. So when you are like, Hey, we're cover three, 
I know where my gap is. I know if there's a pull, my gap moves. I know if there's a shift or a motion from tight end, my gap moves. All right, we're in some other variation of a coverage, some more blitzing things, especially when you blitz. The gaps can change, and they can change fast while you're coming downhill. And I saw that so many times when they gave away big plays. It was because they were doing something that they don't normally Mm. do. And the team shifts and they're blitzing and they're spread out and somebody's out of their gaps because they've done this play 20 times as opposed to they've done cover three 400 times. That's an interesting point. Yeah. It, um, they do blitz a little bit more this year than in the past with Steve Wilkes, the defensive they're coordinator. They're doing Sims too, which like I, I noticed is like they're doing these things and it's not just the blitzes. It's just doing unique things to try to compensate for the fact that they aren't dominant up front. Like they Both defenses do. I mean, this is the Sims thing has been kind of a story of the NFL this year. And I think um, – a really, I, I was thinking about this as it pertains to Seattle because um, when they announced that they were hiring Mike McDonald as a defensive coordinator, you know the reaction was, "Oh, great, we're we're gonna do all the Raven stuff." Well, the Seahawks actually tried to do a lot of that this year. Like with Steve <laughs> ran a ton of simulated pressures, they just weren't good at it. And I think to your point, like it's one thing to uh, exoticize your fronts and your pressures and your coverages, and but it's another to execute them at a very high level. I think Kansas City does a better job executing uh pass rush and coverage together and 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 some of the stuff that they do than san francisco does now i think they are they i guess draft for that and they also coach that way like this seems like a mid-season shift for the 49ers Whereas for the Chiefs, Spags has always been like that. If you've been in Spags' system, yeah. you know that on you don't really you know that on Monday you're going to show up or on Wednesday you're going to show up and you're going to find out what you're running that week on Wednesday. Whereas these other teams are not accustomed to that. Mm. They focus more on watching their opponents and and doing route recognition and not as much on changing what they do. So I'm going to present one more thing on the run game. I'm going to present a question to you that is probably unanswerable, but uh, I'm going to put you in a difficult position with this question. So the same, so you, you talked a little bit about some of the struggles the Niners run defense. There, there's a, there's a, a litany of reasons too. Some of it is gap unsoundness. Some of it is just the edges being too aggressive. That's a lot of it, I think. Um, yeah. And the linebackers having to do too much. It's not that like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw just got bad at tackling all of a sudden. It's what they're being asked to do is a little bit different or it's more challenging because um, the defensive line is not doing their job to the, I think, the level that you should. I mean, listen, every time Chase Young is on the field, they should run it. <laughs> I'll just say that. I mean, oh, my God. Um, but that's not the question that I was getting. The question is this. Okay. So the Niners uh, play with the second least amount of stack boxes in the NFL. They are at light box. They do that wide nine front, which is another reason why uh, they're vulnerable yep. to the front. So um, – However, so so they play the uh, fifth most light boxes in the NFL. 56% of the time, they suck at stopping the run when they do so. All their metrics are bad. When they stack the box, when they actually commit to stopping the run, first in EPA per play, eighth in success rate versus the run. That seems like, okay, maybe we should do this more often. Maybe we should commit more to stopping the run. The problem is when Kansas city faces stacked boxes and they rarely do because defenses still, even with all the struggles in the offense, they still don't do it to them very often. Uh, Patrick Mahomes averages 0.49 EPA per play throwing the ball against when which oh, is a God. lot. So if you're San Francisco, do you rode with the horse that brought you and you continue to play with light boxes and not 
allocate extra resources to stopping the run? Or do you mix it up a little bit knowing that otherwise you're vulnerable on the ground? To a, to a, a chief's offense said, I, I know I said that you know he's very good, but that's a small sample size. I want to be clear. They don't face it that often. I guess it's a it's a roundabout way of are you are you scared of this San Francisco this Chiefs offense beating you through the air or do you want to focus more on stopping the run? As stupid as it sounds, a Patrick Mahomes quarterback team, you uh, I feel like you would like to stack the box because the point that you made at the end there is like we don't actually know yeah. how good the Chiefs are yes. against that because they haven't seen it very much. I think we have a good chance, but the reason why I do that is because what you're trying to do is force them to, and it's a cliche, obviously, force them to beat you left-handed. But what that means in this case is receivers. You're going to have to throw to these damn receivers. And we're going to do whatever it takes and put these receivers in favorable situations, and you're going to have to throw them. not going to allow the Kelsey uh, attack, and I'm not going to allow you to run the ball on us all all the way down the field. I'm going to make you – Throw those receivers. And the issue with the receivers is not just the drops, because I wouldn't be concerned about the Chiefs about a bunch of drops. Like, all right, their receivers have drops. You're not going to – chances are that's not the reason you're going to lose the game. But what you – I remember having a conversation with you was it was kind of the, like, whatever the coordination that you and I have on this podcast without having it just from knowing each other for a long time. They don't have that with the receivers. You remember earlier in the season, there are guys running or breaking off the routes at the wrong point and Patrick Mahomes seeming frustrated and him throwing ugly interceptions right to DBs because he's expecting something different. Like, I'm going to make you get comfortable with that. And we all know Patrick Mahomes can, but will he be able to do it in a short period of time in this game? I don't know. With all due respect to playoff MVS, which is the thing. Uh, this offense does run through two receivers travis kelsey and rishi rice which simplifies things for sam i mean if you're making patrick mahomes throw to people other than those two guys you are winning in pass defense uh so i think where it gets interesting for san francisco is uh they have one very very good cornerback Chavarius Ward, mm-hmm. but they play sides. Uh, so the other quarterbacks, cornerbacks, pardon me, are D'Amador Lenoir, who plays in the slot, who's been quite good, and then Ambry Thomas, who mm-hmm. offenses would like to attack very much. Um, if I'm Kansas City, I do everything in my power to get Rasheed Rice matched up on not Chavarius Ward in this game. Right. Uh, now, it's interesting because the way they use Rice, so like they, they've expanded the way they use him from the beginning of the season, but it is still predominantly screens, slants, crossers. San Francisco is very good against crossers. I think they're going to go heavy screen, but I almost feel like Dominique, they have to be creative in how they use Rasheed Rice in this game. So I have written down that I would expect a lot of screens, wide receiver slide screens, this little Y escort screen that I saw a team run uh against them that had success i see like when you have a pass rush like the 49ers or names on the pass rush like the 49ers do a screen game and deep dropping zones also screen game would be helpful in that and so i suspect that we or the chiefs will come in with uh interesting screen package and that little touch jet sweep thing that kind of functions as a screen yeah because if you're they like do a sprint across the line quarterback catch the ball and it's just like a quick touch right back to the receiver who's doing like a jet sweep in front 
of the quarterback. The linemen release like it's a screen down the field and do not even block the D-line. And a fast-charging D-line could lead to some big plays. I don't even remember you asked me a question, but when you said that, it sparked me. The Chiefs, second in EPA per play, second in success rate off screens this year. No, 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 I'm just presenting you information. No, no, but I remember it. Sorry, it was about Rasheed Rice and how to uh, how to get him on Thomas. And, and yeah, Tavares, all right, Ward. But I don't, I don't know that I, yeah, I don't know that I would try to do that much to get him on Thomas if I were the Chiefs. Honestly, well, it depends on what they're throwing. I don't think yeah. you want to attack Tavares. Like screens is one thing, but like downfield, like sale concept, trying to get throw outside the numbers. I would, I would. Don't throw it to Ward. Ward. Uh, I was about to say that the Niners against screens, uh, 30th in success rate, 26 in EPA per play. That is certainly something they'll do. The, screen, the Chiefs are such a great screen game. The one that got called back in the um, yeah. championship. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, I, but that's the thing about this offense. They're just so horizontal, right? It's really, um, it's, we, we talked a little bit about sort of the, some of the stuff they'll do in the backfield action with the jet sweeps and end arounds, it's screens, it's throws to the flats. They are perfectly content, slowly matriculating their way up and down the field. Yeah. They are not explosive. And I actually think that's good against this Niners defense. You're not likely to beat them going deep, which is fine because Kansas city doesn't throw deep. That's not what they do anymore. Maybe like twice a game. Yeah, if you catch them, right. If you catch them in cover three, I think the like levels concept uh, can beat cover three. You see that over the course of the season happen to the 49ers, but you can't have a steady diet of that. Um, what just popped in my head is the interesting matchup between this offense and this defense is they both feel like they've been solving problems all year. Hmm or trying to solve problems all year. Whereas on the other side, you have units that are more established and like more trustworthy, but we've watched the chiefs try to figure out how to live this season without a receiver that they can fully trust. And we've seen the same thing and it's kind of relatively new for the chiefs to try to do this. Yeah. I guess they try to, they learned a little bit in the past, but also for the 49ers, it feels like they're a bit in transition defensively and they're trying to figure out ways to create pressure when they can't with their four and when they're the strength of their defense being their defensive front is not as dominant as it once was. They're both just kind of in flux trying to figure out ways to make these things work. And of course, when you have one player like Patrick Mahomes, it gets a little easier. I, I think the Niners pass rush, you know, it, it is, I think that the Niners defense is interesting because they're still good and they still have elite yeah. players but you're starting to see a little bit of attrition at you know at every position there's like okay they weren't they're not quite as good here op- you know at one cornerback spot and at the safety spot and then you know one like i i thought the interior defensive line would be better uh getting after the quarterback than they've been Nick Bosa has been outstanding in the postseason right. um and i think that's a matchup advantage they have him versus Jawan Taylor if it's Jawan Taylor on that side or if he lines up on the other side against Smith. Um, but you know, it, it, the thing about Patrick Mahomes right now is he's not unsackable, but he doesn't really take sacks. So I think he's like best in the, in the league, as far as when under pressure, like percentage of times he gets sacked to the percentage of times he gets away when under pressure, I think it's better than any other quarterback. 
And I'm sorry. No, no. I, I was going to ask you. You alluded earlier to this that they um, blitz a bit more. Do, would you, especially on third down, would you blitz Mahomes if you were Steve Wilkes? Uh, I would. That would not be my game plan. <laughs> I mean, I think I would a couple times. I try simulated pressures to throw off their. Um, their protection. I think you can trust that they're going to keep a tight end into Bosa yeah. because that's a matchup they don't want. You saw last yep. week they. I think that was the reason why they had so much uh, twelve personnel. Is they're like, all right, we're not going to let this happen. Um, I think they're going to get rid of the ball quickly, uh, and and they're going to be ready. Even if you don't blitz, they're going to want to get rid of the ball more quickly. So I'd run one or two just to let them know that I'm not joking when we show the sim from one side to the other side, but I don't know that I ever send more than four, even if it's a simulated pressure that overloads from one side. So you could send two linebackers and two D linemen, but I'm dropping uh, everyone on the other side out. We, uh, I was asked for NFL live today. Okay. Like, can you, what can the Niners defense do to create negative plays or make Mahomes make a mistake or whatever? And I wrote back, they don't need Mahomes to make a mistake. They just need literally anyone else. Uh, and it really feels like it's fine. We, we, we often, you and I talk about sort of um, whether defenses should play the variance game and be more aggressive, blitzing, trying to make, to create turnovers, trying to create negative plays, playing more man, whatever with the Niners versus this chief's offense, um, I don't feel like that is the path. The path is to make them slowly work their way up and down the field and wait for someone to screw up. And I, I think that's a good plan. I think the danger is if they are able to do that um, on the ground consistently. Like it, for the Niners, to me, the danger zone is not the Chiefs stringing together screens and hitches, screens and hitch, whatever. It's if they're able, if Isaiah Pacheco is able to pop off like five yards of carry, that's when I start to worry about you not getting on the field and the Chiefs like, you know, doing what they want. And I think that's like, that's the reason why I started with the question about the run game, because I really think that's where everything flows from that for San Francisco. What are you going to do to be better in run defense? Are you going to stack the box more? Are you going to use more five-man fronts with Kinlaw? Like instead of, you know, spreading things out a little bit the way you normally, like what is your approach, Steve Wilkes, in this game, given what has happened to your defense over the last two weeks or prior to it? The more I think about it, the more I think about it, the more I think we're right about stacking the box because on, on top of the fact that, um, you need that to stop the run. The Chiefs don't really trust themselves to go deep. Like, that's not the way that they want to yeah. play. So, like, you're not going to be compromised. So stacking the box doesn't make it harder to cover the short stuff. It makes it more challenging to take away the big chunks. And fine, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Yeah. But I'm going to make you do it because you haven't done that all year. Yeah. They're not – they're like middle of the pack, I think, for explosive plays – uh, which is absurd for a team that's this good. Yeah, I am betting on playoff MBS not showing up, and he might show up. It could happen. Yeah. I mean, it's happened the last two weeks. You know, he's had these big explosive plays. But if I'm Kansas, or pardon me, if I'm San Francisco, that's the game I want to play because that is uh, not their strength anymore. It's it's a really it's how crazy is it that we're talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're like, yeah, let them let them 
be explosive and like, you know, throw the ball deep and focus on stopping the run. But I really, I, I agree with you. I truly believe that is a priority of this San Francisco 49ers team or should be. It's the only thing, it's the only thing that makes sense. And uh, I think I created the, what the Chiefs offense did last week. Like I created something in my mind, those first two drives yeah. that was only partially true. And like, I thought that the Chiefs just kind of just walked down the field without a ton of resistance on those first couple of drives. But, and uh, you think about the ridiculous plays, there are two or three plays in there that were just ridiculous Mahomes magic. And you have to, like, you have to try to force him to do that. Whereas him diving, someone diving at his legs and throwing to Kelsey, who's diving across and making catch to keep those drives alive. So on third and fourth downs, they are converted in it. I think the the um, 49ers need to try to get in those situations. It's like, all right, we're going to get into situations as many times as possible and hope that we create a negative plays in those, uh, on those occasions. One final thought on this side of the ball uh, before we move to the other. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm going to say the exact same thing about Andy Reid that I said about Dan Campbell and – Obviously, it didn't work out for the Lions, but I do think he needs to be willing to use all four downs against this. Sam- now, the funny thing about the Chiefs is they're so good running the ball in short yard. Like they're, they, they have the personnel to do it. They should be able to do it, but then sometimes they get up to some true shenanigans um, on you know third and one or in the red zone. But that is an advantage for them against this San Francisco 49ers front. I think he will, uh, but that's something to be mindful of, as well as I think just, you know, the in-game adjustments in this one will be huge given um, all of the coaches involved. Yeah, I mean, and I get that you want to run in those situations because you're good at running, but also getting Patrick Mahomes on the edge with the ball in his hand to make a decision. And he, like the Ravens, when they did that sprint out last week, the Ravens, they did motion back across to make it feel like they're going to sprint left. Then they sprint right. The Ravens switch it and take away the flat. And Patrick Mahomes rotates back and finds Kelsey in the middle of the field. It's like, if you're going to do that, then and that's on a fourth, I think a fourth and two. If yeah. you're going to do that, then it's going to have to do that every time it beat us. That's, you have to live with it. Get up and shake their hand and line up for the next This one. is a, a true matchup of infuriating quarterback scramblers, too. So that <laughs> I'm going to talk about that on the other side of the ball. But I think that that is a big factor in this one. It's a little – I mean, the Niners uh, don't play a lot of man coverage. And there will usually be somebody with eyes on Mahomes. So I actually don't anticipate it being like a huge factor in this game because of the linebackers. Uh, but it will happen at some point. At some point, they'll get them in man, and you know it'll be like third and six, and Mahomes will pick up seven yards. I'm just telling you right now, so that's something. But you know, you can't stop. Like that's just part of playing the Kansas City Chiefs. You're so excited! It's like just, we got like a week before the game. <laughs> uh, l- let me ask you one quick question, just to wrap it up. Do you feel like either side has an advantage on this side of the ball? Because I think if you listen to the tenor of our conversation, we're both like, ah, you know, they can run the ball on them, but can they, they don't have, you know, they're not that explosive. Yeah. No, I don't think there's an obvious advantage. There's, uh, I mean, there's, I think you tilt to Mahomes whenever given an opportunity because he is able to make those plays when someone's around his knees yeah. uh, and make those decisions. So if I'm given some, on either side of the edge, it's, 
that I'd rather have Mahomes than I guess Fred Warner, who is the his counterpart counterpart on the other side. Yeah. Or Nick Bosa. This is gonna be close. All right. I'm saving my pick for the end of this. Actually, you know what? Maybe I should save it for the live pod. <laughs> so I'll, yeah, I don't want to give it away too early in the week. So um all right, take a quick break, come back, and we're gonna talk about the other side of the ball with my friend Alex Sherman. Thank you as always to Dominique Foxworth. Check out the Dominique Foxworth show wherever you get your podcasts and uh check us both out on each other's feeds later in the week. See you see you soon, Dominique. Yay. Bye bye. Why should you bet with Caesar's Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just a nap, it's an empire. 21 and older must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or in Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.com. Org. West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7111. Seven, New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. All right, we're back. And as promised, we are now going to talk about the San Francisco's 49ers offense against the Chiefs defense. But uh, in doing so, I am bringing in a special guest, a first-time guest, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, we used to work together at Bloomberg News, uh, in at which point we were part of a email thread uh, w- with three 49ers fans and me. This is before, of course, I worked at ESPN. Uh, he is one of the 49ers fans, though he will be unbiased today. Alex Sherman uh, from CNBC. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Mina. I feel like we need to give a shout out to Adam Soteriano, yes. reporter at the New York Times. <laughs> And Matt Levine, who's currently a partner at Brunswick, who are the other two 49ers fans on that text message who we worked with True. at Bloomberg. And of course, obviously, your audience knows as a big Seahawks fan, this came together in like 2012, 2013, when yeah. the rivalry was at its peak. We used to have a phrase hot. called Cone of Silence. That's right. If there was anything that went really awry, like, you know, Richard Sherman tipping the pass in the end zone. Um, where we needed a break, you know, we, yeah. we just it was a, a day or two of no text message before I, we could recover emotionally. I think people can relate to that when you have friends who are who root for a fan base different from your own. It's a fragile balance. You need to understand when you can communicate, when not to communicate, when you have to give space. But I, I also say I think um, there was a lot of mutual respect between us about our teams at the time. And I've always enjoyed talking to the Niners over the years because you, you know, this team so, so well. And sometimes I'll send uh, bounce my opinions and takes off of you. You have this very deep institutional knowledge of the team. Um, and I think that's going to really help here because I, Alex Dominique and I just talked about 
the Chiefs offense versus the Niners defense, we agreed it was a great matchup. I feel the same about the other side. Like this is this Super Bowl is such that like both sides are genuinely strength on strength matchups. They're both very good units. I would say I guess the Niners offense was better than the Chiefs defense, but not by much. You know, the Chiefs defense was very, very good. Niners offense was the best in the NFL by a pretty, pretty strong margin. But I think coming into this game, I feel very good about both these units. One thing I would not feel good about, though, and I'll set you up here, if I was a Chiefs fan, is the run defense against the San Francisco 49ers. And that that's where I want to start because we're coming off of an AFC championship where uh, the Ravens did not lean into the run game, even though you know, that was perceived to be their biggest advantage. And there was a litany of reasons for that. Some of it had to do with the way the Chiefs defense was playing them. Some of it was play calling. Some of it was decisions by Lamar Jackson. But it did not come to fruition. So I want to ask you that. Like, do you perceive the Niners rushing attack to be the advantage that I do? And do you think Kyle Shanahan will lean into it? Not only do I agree with that, Mina, but the 49er institutional fan base that you speak of has now been burned twice in Super Bowls by not running the ball enough mm. in the times mm. where they should have run the ball. This goes back to the game against the Ravens, where, of course, on that very last drive, either yeah. a run with Kaepernick or a run with Gore. Instead, we're throwing the ball and we're relying on non-holding calls on Crabtree. And that was a, a giant irritant for several years to Niners fans. And then in the most recent game in 2020 against the Chiefs, the Niners had consistent success running the ball. And then come the fourth quarter, the, all of the gives to Debo, both on, on sort of jet sweeps and end arounds, and then just more your standard runs with Raheem Mostert, kind of came to a halt. Mostert carried four times in the fourth quarter. He carried for five, six, two, and 17 yards. And the last run of the game by the Niners in the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl was a 17-yard gain by Raheem Mostert, and then it just ran, it stopped. So Niners fans, I think, have been stewing on running the ball now for several years, and now we're finally back here, and we have a juggernaut of a run offense with both CMC and Debo Samuel. Mm. So the hope is, with the Chiefs having a you know 28th EPA per play run defense, that that's the weakness that Kyle Shanahan tries to exploit. We've been talking about Brock Purdy all year, and I'm sure we'll get into Brock Purdy, but I think Niners fans want to see running the ball from the start until Kansas City shows that they can stop running the ball. And if they can't, keep it up. Don't go away from it. Keep it up through the game. Please yeah. run the ball in the fourth quarter. If the game is close, <laughs> uh, it, it, it will help extract various demons that this fan base has been dealing with for years. Yeah, I think the Ravens were deterred early on because there was they I mean they they had one pretty explosive run. It was off of power with Gus Edwards. But there were there were points where and the Chiefs were playing the run very aggressively in that game. A lot of stacked boxes. And I think they thought, okay, forget it. We're gonna go away from this. And I think to your point, it is possible that the Chiefs do defend the run well early in the game. And I think it's going to be key for Shanahan not to go away from that just because it isn't working perfectly well early on, or even if the Chiefs go up a touchdown. Because when you slice up the run game and you look at all the things the Niners were good at and then you look at the ways the Chiefs struggled, there's so many – it's not just that they run the ball well, it's 
the way they run the ball. The Niners, as you know, love to run the ball out of 21, 22, also sometimes personnel. The Chiefs usually counter that by playing their base defense uh, with three linebackers on the field. And when they do, they're 29th in EPA per play against the run. The San Francisco 49ers love to run the ball from under center more than a lot of teams in the NFL. The Chiefs are a bottom five unit against under center runs. Um, The Niners have gone back a little bit to more of a zone running scheme after last year, kind of going away from that. Now you see a lot of uh, zone runs with, with McCaffrey and the Chiefs. So the Niners when they run zones, numbers are from um, Sports Info Solutions, first in yards per attempt, first in EPA per attempt. The Chiefs allow the second most yards per attempt on zone runs in the NFL. So my point is the Chiefs would have to like really play the run much better than they have the entire season um, or commit major resources to stopping the run, in which case I would understand leaning more on the play-action pass than Brock Purdy. And I'm sure that's the way this things will handle. I mean, the one thing that Kyle Shanahan is used to now uh, is defense is putting eight in the box against the run. It happened all the time with yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. And so you'd have to imagine it's certainly possible that the Chiefs stack the box. The good news is the Niners have figured out a lot of ways over the years to run even when there are eight in the box. So obviously that yeah. started with the outside zone. Now the league's caught up to it and the Niners have adjusted and they do all sorts of motions to try to uh, figure out gap schemes if they're running a counter or a trap. And, and throwing in inside zone. And they, they have done that with success. You even saw it last week. It, it's it's interesting. The Lions, you come into that game, and at a superficial level, you're like, oh, the Lions defense is terrible. And like, well, the Chiefs defense is a lot better than the Lions. But from a run defense standpoint, that is not the case. The Lions are the best run defense in the yeah. league. So from a matchup standpoint, actually, this game, I think, looks better for the 49ers because mm. the Lions did a decent job, I thought, stopping the run. In the second half, you know, things got away from a little uh. bit. But, you know, I mean, it, it, look, uh, compared to what I have seen in other games this season, uh, yes. where, where, the, where, where, look, the Niners have not played an A game in the playoffs. So, again, yeah. I think the fan base is hoping we see something closer to what we saw against the Cowboys or against the Jaguars or against the Eagles, where, you know, w- when this thing is humming, I mean, it's like, you know, chocolate sauce on ice cream. Like, it, it is smooth, and, and it is a one play after another, and there's chunks, and there's big plays in the passing game. To your point, there's play-action passes. It, it, we haven't seen that yet. And yeah. so the hope is that at least for a drive or two, we see something like what we've seen earlier in the season. And my personal hope is that the catalyst of that is something that we've actually seen in years past that we haven't seen at all this year which is a drive that is heavily run-driven. You know, a couple of years ago this happened, I think it was the Week 18 game when the Niners played the Rams to get into the playoffs, game they fell down 17-0 and then came back and they they got into the playoffs in that game. The Niners ran the ball 10 straight times, uh, and then Debo Samuel threw a touchdown pass uh, on a handoff because it looked like they were going to do an 11th straight run and they Uh, caught the, the Rams on their heels. I remember texting Adam and Matt to go back to our text chain bludgeon because that was a phrase that we have used for years drawing back to what Jim Tom Sula told the team when he that one year that he was the head coach and it became like an inside joke uh because there was probably one game a year where the Niners would just hammer the ball down your throat Mm -hmm. running the ball to some degree to protect Jimmy Garoppolo but also because they realized that if it if it was working if the engine was working they could go after it over and over and over again on one drive 
I would love to see that one drive against Kansas City where I'm able to text bludgeon because they've run the ball <laughs> nine out of their ten plays. They're much more balanced this year. It's not quite their identity this year. We'll see if it shows up in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I th- well, you, you hit on something that I think – First of all, I don't think that the the line. I I think the Chiefs' defense is for all their struggles with the run game. They're a much better pass defense than Detroit, oh, and I think that will better. be impactful in this game because as much as we're talking about bludgeoning and eleven straight runs, they're gonna have to throw the ball at some point. And the Chiefs, I think, throwing the ball actually do match up decently well with San Francisco. We can talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, I, I think you hit on something else though that I do want to get at, which is you you, you said it. This Niners offense was a juggernaut during the regular season and has been anything but during the playoffs. I mean, really, they've, they've, you know, Purdy has arguably had his worst two games of the year in the playoffs. And then he has put it together at the most important time and I think deserves a ton of credit for doing so because that is, you know, I mean, the, what he's done in the fourth quarters, um, what he's done when trailing, which was a question about him and this team. If you're no longer threatening run action, can you, can you, th- he, he has been exceptional, but he has not been exceptional for, you know, three quarters, a half or whatever thus far. And I think that's um, what is going to be really fascinating to me is, you know, Kyle Shanahan and his level of trust in the quarterback based on what we have seen thus far in the postseason. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why I'd love to see one of those bludgeon drives, because to be perfectly honest, you can back this up even a little bit further than the playoffs. Obviously, Brock Purdy was not good against the Ravens. In that next game against Washington, a game they won 27-10, he wasn't great. Then he didn't play in the last regular season game, and now there have been two uneven games in the playoffs. So this is, now we're going on more than a month here where we have seen sort of the like clockwork Purdy that that we saw a handful of times in the regular season which, you know, made some of the MVP talk not all that ludicrous. Like, he did play like an MVP in five or six games this year, no doubt. Um, we haven't seen it. And and to, and to say, oh, it'll come back in the Super Bowl is probably wishful thinking. Like, you'd have to imagine mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs defense, uh, uh, Steve Spagnuolo defense that constantly blitzes, going to put a lot of pressure on him. You know, it, it may be a tall task to, to say, look, this guy in his first Super Bowl attempt comes out and he looks like he mm-hmm. did against the Cowboys. What I will say is, at least to Purdy's credit, he's demonstrated that he can play very well in the face of the Blitz, not only this year, but last year. Literally in his first start, where, where, where the Dolphins were running cover zero and just sending the house, he was stepping in there uh, yeah. and delivering passes on target, and that has carried over. He was number one against the Blitz in most advanced stat metrics this year. So, so- he, has, he has been great against the Blitz. I'm going to interrupt you here, but this brings me to something I do want to get into, which is... I mean, they, I think the Niners, the Niners numbers against the Blitzes here are insane. The yards per, it's all number one, number one, number one. It's, 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 it's a machine. However, um, when you break it up into man and zone blitzes, he is much better against man blitzing. And the, the Niners are devastating against man coverage generally because they have, you know, a bunch of mutants who can, who are matchup nightmares. Against zone blitzes, numbers drop down below average in QB, 19th in QBR. And the Chiefs, they run a lot of different kinds of pressures. They run a lot of five-man pressures with split safety behind it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a fair amount of that. I don't think Steve Smagnola is going to be scared off of blitzing Purdy. Alex, I think it's going to come down to the timing of the blitzes, what kind of blitzes, and whether Purdy is confused by where pressure is coming from. Yeah, and and I think the Ravens did a really good job of confusing 
Purdy. So like he can be confused and the Ravens disguise coverage a lot. So do the chiefs. Um, And again, this is sort of like, I think it may be, be, it's a little bit unrealistic, I think to say, Oh, Brock Purdy will just be lights out this game. So he's going to need some security blankets. And besides just having a game plan, that's CMC focused, which again, I think would certainly be the preference here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, this is where Debo Samuel comes in. Debo Samuel is the mm. security blanket of the 49ers. And I was really impressed with the way the Chiefs tackled against the Ravens. Honestly, I thought the Chiefs looked like 49ers defenses in the past few years. Yeah. The way they stood up Ravens and tackled them on the spot. The Niners have not been a very good tackling team, particularly recently defensively. But it's very difficult for anyone to tackle Debo Samuel in open space. And he's, he's frequently a hot read on blitzes as is George Kittle. And both of those guys are hard to bring down. So the hope is that the Niners are able to scheme up quick passes, just like I assume Patrick Mahomes will throw a lot of quick passes and screens against the Niners both ways. So we may see quite a bit of that. You know, we may see quite a bit of quick outs, bubble screens, that, that, that nature pop passes, um, you know, short, short behind the line of scrimmage or, or just a yard or two above to just try to get the ball out quick. It's you didn't hear me talking to Dominique, but as we're talking about these games, it actually it the game plans required are pretty similar, frankly, for both of these teams. Like you heard us saying a lot of the same stuff about right. The, the Niners run defense's struggles are different from the Chiefs, I would say. I mean, it's very obvious how you attack this Niners run defense on the ground, but we talked about the perimeter runs, run, the screens. Run, run, run at we, Chase Young. Is that, was that it, what you we, said? Yes, we definitely yeah. said run. I said run every time Chase Young's on the field, you should run at him. Um yeah. But yeah, there there is this is going to be I, I it's why by the way I love non-quarterback MVP uh bets for the Super Bowl because I genuinely think I mean, I almost think like CMC feels more likely I could be wrong obviously than Purdy as an MVP. If they win, it's probably going to be because he goes crazy because they can't stop him on the ground or to your point in the quick passing game. I will say this though, uh about that matchup because I thought about that as well. Um, the Niners offense is they're, they're both explosive and they're really good on screens and quick game as well. In fact, you know, if you look up all the, the best in the NFL and screens, number two team is the chiefs. They're obviously amazing in getting yards after the catch when doing so on quick outs and quick concepts, the chiefs defense has been very good against screens. They have been their third in EPA per play versus screens. They are second in EPA per play versus quick game. They tackle. So I think for San Francisco, I'm not saying San Francisco should go away from that strategy because they're so good. It's not like, well, we should be scared off from our identity. But that's I, I am personally very curious to see. Like It's like what happens when a rock meets a hard place and the rock is Debo Samuel and the hard place is like Trent McDuffie making a tackle in the open field. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to that, right? I mean, that that's going to be, again, one of those things I think we'll see early. And the Niners will test it out. They, they did that against Green Bay before... Debo went down, right? The first few plays in the offense was like, let's get the ball to Debo. Let's try to see if this is a Debo Samuel game. Obviously, the weather conditions in that game, too, play right into Debo. But I would imagine we'll see, again, a similar thing first uh, or in the first quarter where the Niners try to get the ball to Debo Samuel quickly and say, all right, can you tackle him? Can you gang tackle him? Can you tackle him one-on-one? I mean, most people cannot tackle Debo Samuel one-on-one. So as good as the Chiefs have been uh, from a defensive metric standpoint, like Debo Samuel is a different animal. He's almost right. untackable by anyone in the league. But yeah. you 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 can swarm him. And that has happened before, where the Niners have tried to get the ball to him and, like, you know, there's three guys around him and he goes yeah. nowhere. 
And so if that does happen, then you start to see the adjustments happen. And it's like, okay, can we get George Kittle in early? Kittle only had two catches against the Lions. And one of them was for negative one yards. Like it would be nice if the Niners can try to figure out a way to get him involved earlier in this game so that they're not relying, you know, on on sort of uh, uh, free free form passes to Kyle Juszczyk, which is not really the design of the offense. Um, You know, if that happens, great. But certainly I think getting Kittle involved, getting Debo involved, that's the direction they want to go. Yuschik had a toe tapper, man. That was, I feel like that was He's impressive. flew under the radar a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you this then about that as we talk about more of the, the passing game. Um, so on the Niners side, the sorry, the Chiefs offense Niners side, I said, go after Ambry Thomas. That's draw a giant, no offense, sorry, Ambry, but draw a giant circle around Ambry Thomas. Uh, you do not want to throw it to various Ward. I do not advocate throwing it to various Ward. Stay away from him. Uh, and that Niners corners, they play sides, as you know. The Chiefs do not play sides. I think it's fairly likely that Legereus Sneed, who's been him. It's funny, him and Traverius Ward, I actually maybe got both my votes for all. They're both outstanding this year. The difference is Sneed will follow Ayuk. I expect him to follow him a fair amount. So my question is, you, when you look at the Chiefs defense in the pass game, you talked about Debo. Is there any area that you think they can attack um, you mentioned Kittle. Do you think there's any part of the field that they have an advantage of? Because the Chiefs' pass defense is quite good. They are, and and their linebackers can cover. I mean, I think we've talked about this off air, Mina. But like the the best defense against the 49ers in in many ways is the 49ers' defense against yeah. their offense because Greenlaw and Warner are such good coverage linebackers. So are Patrick Queen and Rokon and Rokon Smith, and we saw that a little Problem, bit in, yeah. in the. Ravens game where like if you do have linebackers that can cover it's a different ball game and so the Chiefs have decent coverage linebackers that is not I wouldn't say that's a like a huge weakness for of, of the team they certainly have guys that are, are where, where it's not there are some teams in the league where like you just circle a linebacker and you're like okay well this is going to be the strategy like it's really easy like yeah. the, honestly like like I don't, you know, I don't want to go too personal here, but like that has been a weakness of the Seahawks. For that is over. Years. We got the Shannon Handler now as our head coach. Right, I, so. I, I hear you. Um, so, is there a weakness? Like, yeah, I mean, what they'll try to do, I'm sure, is kind of what they try to do all the time, which is they'll see if they can figure out some middle of the field stuff with either Kittle or Jennings, who, to be honest, has come on recently. Really good I, mean, I, don't, I don't really so think- underrated. Yeah, I don't think they would have, you know, eight weeks ago, I'm not sure I would have brought up Jennings as a as a pass-catching offensive wing. He's always been a phenomenal run blocker. But, you know, he was sort of like the number three option and sort of a, you know, break glass if you need him. But when Debo went down, and I think he stepped up as the number two guy against Green Bay, maybe he got a little bit more confidence. The team may have got a little more confidence in him uh, at, at, as a strong option. So, you know, again, like I think this is like, well, can the Chiefs – this is not just the Chiefs. This has been – Every team the Niners have played this year. Yeah. It's like, if we're going to roll out Ayuk and Debo and Kittle and Jennings and CMC, like, good luck. You know, I mean, if, if you can stop all five, and again, the Ravens kind of did. So it's not like a team can't do it. Like, all right, yeah. great. But like, you know, it, we'll, we'll try to find weaknesses where we can. Um, and like, at that point, it's just man on man. And if you make a tackle or you hit your landmark before the Niners get there, like, Fantastic. The one thing I do think that we saw last week is that Brock Purdy can use his legs. So if guys are covered, and maybe that is you know something that again he gains more confidence in, and we see it again that if everyone's covered, I think he's going to have the green light to go 
And the irony, of course, there is that this is what Kyle Shanahan was looking for when he drafted Trey yeah. Lance. And he kind of stumbled into it with the last pick here. Um, and in many ways, you know, from the little we saw of Trey Lance, like, I don't even know if he was as, as good of a runner as Brock Purdy. <laughs> he didn't really show Yeah, a yeah, huge you're burst. right. We didn't, we didn't see it. Maybe he is. I, it's, it's a question mark. Um, but it's a really important point about Brock Purdy using his legs because um, I sent you this. I, I made a video. It's on YouTube, Mina.com's or youtube.com slash I mean it comes. It's a YouTube original. But uh, when I talked about the ways in which Purdy's different from Garoppolo and a number of them, pushing the ball downfield, throwing outside the numbers. But but the scrambling is huge. Um, not because he is, you know, the second coming of Michael Vick or anything like that, but because when you play the San Francisco 49ers offense, it's so challenging to stop all the skill players. There's going to be a vulnerability. And often that vulnerability is being susceptible to a mobile quarterback. It's why Kyle Shanahan wanted a mobile quarterback, because if you play man coverage and you turn your back on him, there's going to be an opportunity to run. You saw that in the NFC Championship game. Uh, I'll be curious to see if Chiefs play, how much man coverage they play. If you play zone, and you see this with, and, and the Niners did an excellent, or probably the Ravens did an excellent job with this, the teams that do pretty good in coverage against the um the Niners, it's a lot of disguise, a lot of rotation, but you're also taking away those landmarks that they love to throw to in the middle of the field. So you see the linebackers and safeties basically giving you depth because they want their goal is not to stop Brock Purdy. It's to stop uh, the uh, Brandon Ayuk inbreaker or to George Kittle, right? Or to give help to the corners. And when you do that, and you saw this again in the NFC Championship, that two times, two separate plays, there was the linebackers, it was Jack Campbell and Anzalone, gave him so much depth. He just took off and he's wiggly enough to break the pocket. <laughs> and if he's got 10 yards of grass, he's going to get it. So I, I, that's massive in this game. Um, you know, they did a great job handling Lamar Jackson when he did run. I thought he should have run more often. But this Niners offense is harder to stop because of the skill players that you have to cover. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, when I watched the Ravens-Niners game on Christmas, I was a little concerned because – they sort of figured something out that no team had figured out, and you alluded to it there, which is Brock Purdy is an anticipation passer, and he's been so good at it all year, throwing the spots, right, throwing before yeah. guys turn around. And so the key to that is to know where he's going to throw the ball and get there. You don't need to cover your guy. I mean, Ayuk is almost uncoverable from a pure route running standpoint to stay with him. But if you know where Brock Purdy's going to throw the ball, it doesn't matter to some degree. So I think that they're – has been um i'm not sure that i have fully seen uh, an adjustment by the niners uh, uh, from a standpoint of like well okay you know uh, if if he if 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 brock Purdy can't throw to a spot sort of like what's plan b like i don't know if there is a plan b i, I think that it's sort of like the quarterback is plan b in that situation the quarterback has well, to make a play it's why patrick so, Holmes is the greatest quarterback in the nfl so i guess what i what is leading to is that i think the kind of the plan b is well you just take off with your legs yeah so you 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 you, you either take off your legs or you just start playing street ball right and party can do that we have seen party roll out of the pocket he's very good throwing outside the numbers so that's where it doesn't matter anymore if you're not throwing to a spot it's like okay you know i'm hesitating a little bit and i think we've seen brock Purdy maybe hesitate a little more to be honest even he has been public about especially at the green bay game being like you know what like I don't know that I like saw my checkdowns. I was trying to make a play. Like I got to slow it down a little bit. And like, you know, 
make sure my checkdowns are there. And he sort of did that, I thought, a little bit better against the Lions. But in the end, like the big plays were the out-of-structure stuff, which which is yeah. the irony of all of this game manager talk, where it's like, right. well, if Purdy is elevating true, yeah. the system because he's able to do all of yeah. these out-of-structure plays that Jimmy Garoppolo and other quarterbacks haven't been able to do, why on earth are people calling him a game manager? It's literally the exact opposite of being a game he's manager. He's he, potentially a little dangerous. I mean, the alley-oop to Juwan Jennings was ill-advised, but he made it work, and then Jennings made an amazing catch. I think this is another, however, strength-on-strength strength thing, because you're absolutely right. Purdy has been excellent um, on ex- extending plays, playing outside of structure, uh, throwing outside the pocket. He's been best quarterback in the playoffs actually um however Chiefs defense on extended plays meaning plays that take more than four seconds second in epa per play this year third in success rate so in the past game i guess you know i i i i it's going to be very interesting i don't look at this and say one side has an advantage but i do think in the past game the Chiefs defense are well situated based on what we've seen because of the use of disguise, the creative pressures, the physicality, the tackling. They're, they do match up well with San Francisco there. I do not feel the same way about the run defense, however, and there's also a possibility that if they oversubscribe to stopping the run because of it, that it creates vulnerabilities in the pass game. Yeah, I think Chris Jones sort of ruined the game for the Niners in the Super Bowl last time in the fourth quarter. He's batting Mm. down passes. We've seen Brock Birdie had a number of passes batted down this season, so that's a a concern. I would not be surprised at all if Jones lines up against Colton McKivitz and they kick him outside uh, because that's clearly a weakness, and the Niners will probably have to hold somebody back to chip or or, or double-team him because, you know, it's tough to take. I do think maybe one really under-the-radar thing that helps the Niners is that uh, Charles Amenehu is not going to play. I mean, Amenehu yeah, was really good big. for the Niners last year, um, and he's had a really good season for the Chiefs. So mm-hmm. just ha- just taking out one pass rusher there uh, is helpful for sure because um, they're going to need all the help they can get given the fact that I would imagine, again, we will see sustained blitzes, and I'm sure Jones will make a play or two or three that just you know disrupts the game because he seems to always do that. And he had another phenomenal year. Yeah. This year, I think n- n- number, you know, in, in, again, in some advanced stats, number one from a pass rush standpoint. Yeah, no, I love your point about him going up. They're, they're, they're you know, they're very strategic about when they align him at edge. And it's like basically in closer situations. But that is uh, him against Colton McKivitz is one of the bigger mismatches you will see in this game. The Niners will give him help. They will run away from him. They will do everything they can to not have that be a factor. Um, but that is something to keep your eye on. It's interesting to think about these teams and the last Super Bowl and who's still on the team and the way that they're different. I forgot, you know, about Chris Jones and his performance in that game. I guess that's a good place to wrap, Alex, which is how do you feel about this matchup this year versus 2019, the last time these teams? Because the thing is, I'll start. I think that Niners defense was better and this Niners offense is better. So. Yep. Does it even out? Like, you know, how does it, how does it all shake out? I remember going into that game thinking, like, the Niners cannot settle for field goals in this game. Like, the Niners just need to put up as many points as they can yeah. because in order to combat Patrick Mahomes, like, and, and it was irritating because, you know, there was an early fourth and two and the Niners settled for, for a field goal. But the thing I'm counting on is that the, the difference in talent between uh, Robbie Gould and rookie Jake Moody may push <laughs> Kyle Shanahan 
toward being hey, more aggressive in a way yeah. that will help the 49ers. Uh, so maybe that will be the difference in the game. Like the, the key, the missing key for the 49ers was they had too good of a field goal kicker the last time <laughs> around. Uh, but look, no, to, to your to your broader point, I actually think that the thinking may be reversed this game. It may be Kansas City that says, you know what, we just can't settle for field goals this time around because we're dealing with an offense that can put up so many points that, you know, we're going to need to push it a little bit. Um, so to some degree, I do think that the, the teams are a little bit reversed from the last yeah. time around. Another way that they're reversed is that in, in 2020, 2019, 2020 Super Bowl, the Niners rolled into the playoffs. I mean, they did, annihilated the Vikings yeah. and the Packers in those two games. And so it, it, there was a lot of confidence from that standpoint that this was like a well-oiled machine going into it. This time around, the Niners have really struggled in both of their playoff games, and yet we end up in a similar situation. So from that standpoint, too, it's sort of the reverse of what we saw the last time. So I hope the result is also the reverse. You, you, I said the same thing about Andy Reid. I was like, God, you know, I actually think a huge potential advantage is his if he's aggressive in this. And I also think, you know, the, the Niners are not – their short yardage run defense is bad, so Kansas City should be able to – they should be able to use all four downs successfully, but they should they should have to honestly because you, I, I do think that they need to keep the Niners' offense off the field. Um, Alex, I'm I'm waiting till Friday to give my final pick, so you will not hear. I say it like it's like something that people are really excited about. Um, I think I'm really is, excited. Ah, I that this is a great game. I I hope that everyone who has listened to this has felt my uh, genuine hesitation about making this pick because I truly believe these teams match up really well with each other. I think they both have advantages on the ground, which is a very funny thing to say about a Super Bowl involving all these skill players and Patrick Mahomes. It is truly wild. Uh, yeah, we'll see how things play out. I, as I, so as I mentioned at the top, Dominique and I are going to be back later in the week with uh, Kevin Clark and Bill Barnwell at a live show in Vegas. But this has been so much fun. Cone of silence, no more. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, this is really fun. Many years. I think anything. it'll, I think it'll be close game for sure. I think it'll be very entertaining. My prediction, because I bashed him, is that Jake Moody makes a game-winning field goal <laughs> and the Niners win 27-24. How do you like CMC as the MVP though? That seems like I, I, seems like a safe pick. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Pick, yeah. Although you know, look, the Disney story element of Brock Purdy, I think, is going to play into that too. So we'll see if the narrative wins or if the actual game. That uh, that ninety yard Debo screen is gonna just juice his numbers enough to push him over the edge. Dog, I'm not a Brock radiator. Uh, okay, awesome. Uh, this has been fun. You guys should check out Alex on X. It, it's Alex Sherman. Just your name, right? Uh, Sherman forty nine forty nine. Oh god. <laughs> I'm glad we rated until the end to reveal yeah. that. <laughs> and you can check this out on YouTube at youtube.com/slash Amina Kimes. Otherwise, we'll be back later in the week with more Super Bowl analysis. Whoa!